Welcome to the Wine After Work podcast. This is your host, Bryce Batts. I'm a career coach, mom of two girls, former college cheerleader, and current encourager of women. I'm so grateful you're here. It's my mission to help women break through the glass ceiling, rise up, and step into their greatness. Now grab a glass of wine and settle in. I had the distinct pleasure of interviewing Chasta Hamilton, and you guys are going to love this conversation. She owns Stage Door Dance, which opened in 2009. My girls have gone there since they were two or three years old, and we absolutely love it. She is doing so much for the world of dance. Uh, We recently went to New York City for the second time, where she put together some amazing workshops with some of Broadway's best. You guys, she graduated from NC State summa cum laude in 2007 with a degree in arts applications and a minor in film studies and attended NC State as a park scholar. She gave a TED Talk when she was 37 weeks pregnant, guys. The TED Talk is called You Weren't Built to Break, and she's an, an author, wrote a book called Trash the Trophies, and I cannot wait for you to hear this conversation. Chasta, welcome to the Wine After Work podcast. I'm so excited you agreed to do this today. You know, Thank you for I having love, me. Of course. Well, you know, I love Stage Door. Um, my girls have been going there forever. Sometimes we try to count backwards and figure out how long it's been, but <laughs> many, many years. I think at least since maybe 2011 or 2012, because I was actually thinking this morning, about I had a dance event and I remember going to Close Town in 2012 and like buying every outfit I needed for the whole weekend. That's a blast. Um, yeah. <laughs> truly. That was my store for all of you that don't know. It seems like another lifetime, but it was so fun because I got to meet my amazing customers and, you know, it was just fun to see them on a daily basis and to go to market. You know, what do you love about running Stage Store? You know, it's just like you said, it's the community, right? It's it's the people you get to know that you get to kind of journey with and hear their stories. And for me, you know, the arts, dance, theater, such a passion of mine. So to be able to merge that alongside the community of a business um, is just that really is what keeps me going, even amidst like all the crazy things you have yeah. to deal with. <laughs> we were talking a little before we hit record. I know you have to deal with a lot of crazy and have the last few years with the pandemic. I mean, you're trying to run a business that is teaching kids in person and you're dealing with various variants. <laughs> Things keep changing with COVID. I mean, I remember the girls were doing dance from home and you guys made that pivot really quickly. And then they were dancing outside and now they're inside with masks. We were doing temperature checks and all that stuff. And so I feel like you've handled it, handled it all so well. Um, but I know you get feedback from everyone. You do. And, and thank you for saying that. And, you know, the, the biggest thing for me is just how do we keep this going? Like, what does it take to stay as on course as we possibly can. Like you said, everything changes so quickly. And I feel like our community has been, you know, just really, really great um, overall about supporting people. But there's also the disappointment of when you have to make decisions that maybe don't align with clients' views and perspectives. And the hardest thing is that 
you know, you're being judged on not what you do, but on these public health policies and decisions that you're having to make. And, and that has been a little bit of a hard pill to swallow um, because it's like, oh, well, can't you just look at the dancing or um, what the children are gaining from the program and, and just kind of roll with this just very strange period of time, you know, and that's global, right? Like it's impacted everyone. It's not right. just dance studios. It's, it's all of us in, in different ways. Yeah. And so as someone who's got a big team, I don't, you know, you've got two locations. How many team members do you have? We have about 16 employees right now. Okay. So how do you go about making those hard decisions? Is it sitting down with the staff or, you know, what does that decision making process look like? Yeah. Well, so it has also consisted of reading just like a lot of scholarly articles. Um, you know, I always tell people I never felt like public health official would be like one of the hats that I wear, but it feels like one that I've gained. So reading the articles, um, looking at, you know, I'll look at pediatricians, uh, recommendations, epidemiologists, biologists, there's a lot of people from the park scholarships community at NC state that work in those fields. So I've leaned on them a lot. And then I we'll take it back to like our leadership and our staff and, and, you know, what's their pulse, how, you know, how are the children responding? What can keep them safe? Um, How can we keep things moving if we're dealing with staff exposures or student exposures? And, you know, it's like you were saying, this is a business model that relies on one quantity. So number of students and two, just a mass amount of commercial square footage. Mm. Um, So those are two factors that the pandemic hasn't been super kind to, Um, but you know, we've made it work and it's just, you know, like, like we were talking before we started the podcast, we have this New York trip coming up and we did a pivot with that as well. So people that aren't comfortable are going to stay here and participate remotely. And then we're going to have the rest of the attendees, um, on site in New York. So the pivots just haven't stopped. Well, I think it's awesome that you can offer all these different options and obviously you're, you're always pivoting. And I think that's what you have to do as a business Things are constantly changing, whether it's with the pandemic or just the industry in general, you know, social media, whatever it may be, you have to pivot quickly and, you know, be willing to always make decisions and change things up as needed. You know, two big things I saw you do recently, your TED Talk and your book. So tell us about that. Yeah. So those were both really cool opportunities and both stemmed from a big pivot we made in 2015, a pivot that I do think kind of helped lay the baseline for our COVID resilience. And that was when we decided to extract the studios from competitive dance, not because we're anti-competition, but because we believe there was a stronger return on investment for what we could offer for students that wanted to heighten their dance education training. So that was something that people weren't doing in 2015. We were kind of swimming upstream and it was a huge risk and it was a rebrand and it ended up being very exciting and very rewarding. And the heart of the book, which is called Trash the Trophies, How to Win Without Losing Your Soul and the TED Talk, You Weren't Built to Break are kind of all about how dance and performance has enabled us to be resilient and to make these hard choices and to be what some would call a disruptor. Um, within the industry. And like you were saying about making fast pivots, I remember um, a friend I had in college, his father works for the Department of Transportation and he would always talk about like red lights. And like, if it's, if a red light is yellow, he would always say like indecision will kill you. Like you either need to go through the yellow light or you need to stop, but you can't like have that moment of like, oh my gosh, what should I be doing? 
and life is kind of like that too, right? Like when you're at that yellow light threshold, you kind of either just need to stop and recalibrate or you just need to go. Um, and so that was just a little piece of wisdom from way back that oh, has kind of helped me. Yeah. Do you think you're a quick decision maker? I personally like make decisions very quickly. Sometimes they're the wrong ones and I can look back and say, nope, that was a bad decision, but I'm not somebody who can just mull over it forever and ever. I don't know. I need to check that box and just keep going. Yes. I used to be slower. Like I would, I would do like a pros list, a cons list. I would want to like sit on it and I'm still slow when it comes a little more slower when it comes to like big decisions. But what I have learned is that response is important. Um, and transparency is important. So letting people know kind of where you're at, even if it's not to like a final point is important. Um, and I've gotten a little bit faster on mine as well, because resolution does feel really good. Yeah. But you're so right about transparency. I mean, I've worked for companies in the past where there's very little transparency and it's worse because then people are talking and trying to figure things out and it, you know, just coming, they make assumptions. Like people will fill in the blanks. If you're not saying like, where you're at, where you stand, then people start filling in the blanks for themselves. And it's really hard to kind of backpedal on that. So I think it's always important to be ahead of the narrative um, just so that people can't make up the narrative for you. Yeah. And when you were saying in 2015, you made that pivot and you were swimming upstream, I kept thinking you were going against the grain. I mean, I grew up in dance and I remember showstoppers and all those um, competitions and my mom taking me to those and you know, we were always on the road between my brother's um, travel soccer team, competitive dance and gymnastics. And as a parent now and seeing how busy my kids are, I honestly don't know how we could add another layer on top of that. And I love with Stage Door that my girls are out in the community. They're doing philanthropic events that are important. And I think you're really good at relaying the message as to why these events are important and what the meaning is for the community. Um, and there's still a spirit of healthy competition. You know, they, the girls can still do solos. There's still uh, chances for them to perform, which is, you know, amazing. Yeah. When we made that move, you know, the ultimate question was, what can we do that kind of keeps the best of what you have in competition, which is, you know, the performance, the community, the connection. Um, Like I always remember those weekends when we were competing, what people loved the most was like jumping in the swimming pool at the hotel together. Um, And and like, that is what matters, right? Is uh, the friendships and, and the experience and the resilience and the adaptability. So it was, the question was, how could we shift that into a newer model and focus on kind of elevating just the financial commitment for parents, because I was looking at the invoices and holy cow, they were so expensive <laughs> and the time commitment and also just the adaptability. So people could pick and choose, like you can do, um, the intensive training program and also like three other extracurriculars. Um, because I do think it's important for children to be able to explore interests so that they can really determine their passion. Mm, definitely. Especially when they're young. I mean, I had no idea what I wanted to do. I tried every sport. I was terrible at most of them, <laughs> but yeah. you know, I had friends who were doing it. So I was like, yeah, I'll try softball, soccer, basketball, 
the worst on the team. I sat on the bench. I was like, okay, now I know I'll stick with dance. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I did tennis camp for like a week and I managed the softball team, helped out with the volleyball team. And it was just like, these, these, those things were not for me, but you can't know what you like until you know what you don't like. Exactly. So how long has stage door been in business now? So this is our 13th year, wow. which is wild. Um, next year will be our 14th season. Oh, yeah. So 2009. So you've weathered a lot of storms. So yes. now we're, you know, it's January now. It'll probably, this will probably come out at the end of the month. Um, any big goals for 2022? So 2022, this, so when we started this season, I said, this is the year that we have to function alongside crisis instead of operating in crisis. Mm -hmm. So how can we get back to like more of our standardized operations without being so like knee jerk and reactive? Like how can we be proactive and staying ahead of the curve? So some of the things that I'm personally excited about is just getting back on track, getting more of these in-person performances going. We're adding theater and creative drama programming starting in the summer. Um, there is that's so a, exciting. that is super exciting. The survey. survey. Yes. Yes. I, you know, if, if people <laughs> deal with the public, I can't encourage them to survey their client base enough because that really helps you kind of know the direction that people want to go. Um, so that's super exciting. Um, and more of that will come in the 22, 23 season as well. And, you know, we're tapping into the leadership of our team, kind of helping them rise and sink their teeth into their um, their passions and strengths, which is also exciting. And um, tentatively, there is a second book scheduled to come out in the maybe like uh, third or fourth quarter of the year. Okay, awesome. That's a good segue, because I was going to ask about personal goals, too. Do you feel like. (laughs) You've checked all these boxes now. You've had a book. You've done your TED Talk, which I felt like I was watching like a, you know, the superstar on stage when you did that. I personally hate public speaking. So I'm like, I don't know how she's not like just pouring sweat from her armpits right now. Girl, I was just trying to breathe because I was 36 weeks pregnant at the time. And, and, you know, I had been rejected by Ted and TEDx so many times. And of course, like the one time they were like, yes, we want you. Um, I was like the most pregnant you could possibly imagine. Um, But it's so personal goals, I think are really important. And I'm glad you mentioned it because in the pandemic, it can be, it's so heavy and you can get kind of lost in just like what you have to do to get through each day. Mm-hmm. And I was sinking into that trap in the first few months of the pandemic. And I was like, no, this isn't who you are. Like, you've got to keep vision. You've got to keep strategy. You have to keep growth. Otherwise, like, what are we doing? Right. If we're just right. muddling around in the day to day. So that's why I started the second book, even though with a baby, it's been a little bit slower and getting done than the last one. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm usually writing from like 11 PM till 1230 AM. Oh, wow. And, um, and I've actually started coaching some studios. So I've helped three or four studios um, move into new iterations away from competition. So that That has been very rewarding. And I've booked a couple of speaking opportunities um, in the fall about um, for, for dance events. And that's also equally exciting. So it's, it's fun to see the message kind of getting out there and, and being received because, you know, 
it's about our story stepping away from dance and dance competitions. But ultimately, I do think it's a story about personal um, and professional transformative leadership, because I felt like I was kind of in a place where I was failing as a leader. And it was kind of how we said, okay, like when you're getting derailed, like how do you get back on track? Yeah. Such a good life lesson too. Yeah. So tell me how you're juggling a business and a baby now with an eight month old. Yeah. So um, I, I think about this a lot and, you know, it's, I, as women, I think a lot of times we give ourselves this false narrative of it's so hard to do this and this and this and this, and it is hard. Like it is really hard. Um, but I think with organization and planning, we can make it all happen. Um, and obviously the support of our communities and not being able to say, Hey, you know, can you help me out? So for me with, um, his name Sebastian, we call him bash and he goes with me to the studio a lot, but you know, sometimes I do have a call and I need to lean on someone in the office of, Hey, um, could you just hold him for a second? I'm or... sure they're happy to do that. <laughs> <laughs> People love a baby. That is what I've yeah. learned. People love having a baby around. Um, and, you know, and sometimes it's working earlier hours or, you know, like I said, working a little bit later um, and also delegating. Delegating was a really hard thing for me to learn. And I think that's a challenge for a lot of um, female entrepreneurs, but I'm a type A control freak and, you know, just kind of giving um giving some of this, you know, spreading the wealth makes people buy into the business more, buy into the brand and see their future there. So I, that's been really rewarding, even if it has been a hard thing for me to kind of lean into. Yeah, that's good. I think delegating is key, no matter what your business is, you can't do it all. And especially as a new mom too. I mean, you've got to delegate at home and at work and different, you know, everybody's home life looks differently. What works for you is not going to work for someone else. Um, But I've mentioned to you before we started recording, when I had my store years ago, Brooklyn was little and I would bring her in in the afternoons and she would nap in the pack and play in the bathroom. (laughs) It didn't always work. Sometimes she was screaming and crying and customers were like, where's that coming from? (laughs) But you do what you have to do to make it work. And, and, you know, and I think this pandemic has taught us more than anything to just give grace um, in what people need to do to make it work. Um, And the people that aren't giving grace, I just encourage them to give a little more because I do think so many people are truly trying their best and that everybody ultimately just wants to get back to focusing on what they do without this pandemic cloud kind of hanging over everything. Yeah, I do think that's been cool with everybody working from home and being on Zoom or Teams calls. You kind of get some insight into everyone's life when you see their dog running behind them or their kids asking for help and, you know, kids walking in naked or whatever. It's like, you know, everyone's juggling a lot, whether it's, you know, sick parents or aging parents or, you know, whatever it may be. We all have a lot we're doing. Everyone has a lot. And that's, you know, I think the arts are so good at teaching empathy. And this has been like a really important time for empathy to be practiced. Mm -hmm. So true. So if we've got some listeners who are hoping to open a business this this year or have recently started one, what's a couple of uh, tips you might give? So um, expectations, like detail out everything as much as possible. So whether that's protocols, 
flow charts of operations, um, expectations, job descriptions, the more you can have in writing, the more everyone stays on the same page. And that was a lesson that, you know, I think a lot of times if we're uh, well-versed in something, we may have assumptions that people automatically know what we want. And that's, I learned the hard way early on that that's not the case. So the more detailed you can be, the better. And to not get defeated, I know in the early years, it was also a lot of, you know, kind of figuring out like what our optimal client looks like, um, what our what our company culture is. Um, so take the time to figure those things out, but no, it doesn't have to be figured out on day one or even on year 13, it right. can always be evolving. Thank you um, for that. Yes. And to just be like a rubber band, be flexible and adaptable and kind of roll with the punches. Awesome. So you've got your book, Trash the Trophies. Where can they find your TED Talk? So it is on YouTube. Okay. And um, you can either Google my name or you weren't built to break. And it is also on my personal website, which is my name, chastahamilton.com. And it'll also be on the studio website. Um, we have a new one launching next week, which is very exciting oh, too. Very exciting. And you've got the app now. So many things yes, to make so many things. life easy. <laughs> so many digital pivots. Like I feel like I've learned so much about technology and some of it has been really good. Yeah. And I bet as a studio owner, you never thought like I'd be building websites or apps or spot tv you know like having a closed circuit monitoring system on people's personal devices it's it's been wild but i feel like it's stretched my skills and i always say like if we're growing and learning it's good well i'm in complete all of all of you i have so much respect for you and everything you've done and i think it's amazing the way you can lead this huge community and build you know the reputation that you have in the dance world Thank you, Bryce. The respect is so mutual and it's so fun to watch your career over the years too. Well, thank you. Well, your website is the number one place to find you. Of course, Stage for mm-hmm. Dance, anywhere. Or in- Instagram, um, okay. just my name. There aren't many Chasta Hamiltons out there. So nice. Facebook, LinkedIn, I'm out there. And I love You're to connect. And dance guys, girls or boys, check out mm-hmm. Stage Door. It's amazing. Absolutely. Thanks, Bryce. Thanks, Shasta. Thank you so much for listening. I'll see you back here next week. And make sure to share the episode with a friend that would enjoy the conversation we just had. Also, join the Wine After Work Facebook group to connect with other like-minded women.